10, 9, 8, 7, 6, 5, 4, 3, 2, 1. Live from WQAQ Studios in Hamden, Connecticut, welcome to the March Madness edition of Project X. It is a ranking show unlike any other. Join us as we create and debate top 10 lists each week on a new subject from all forms of media and human interest. I'm your host, Dylan Summer, along with... And... Gage Kilborn. This week, we get ready to pull out your brackets and watch some of the high-seated upsets as we wait for our one shining moment in Project X's March Madness Mania special. Tonight is all about this year's NCAA March Madness Basketball Tournament. And just like the college basketball game, we are splitting that action into two halves. For the first half of the show, we'll be counting down our top five favorite March Madness moments of all time. After the break, we'll discuss some of our favorite moments from this year's tournament so far. And we'll also talk about our personal brackets and some trivia questions. Guys, how are you doing? Oh, I'm doing great, Dylan. I'm excited. It's been two years of waiting for this moment. Remember last night when they first had the first four games? I went to you and was like, Dylan, we got to see the opening tip regardless of it's a 2-16 seed battle. I don't care. I'd rather just go in and just watch basketball at this point. Yep, March Madness is finally back. They were able to get everything settled. There's a bubble in Indiana right now. I almost said Ohio because I've been thinking about Ohio State all day <laughs> and how Ohio. they ruined yeah. me. So. <laughs> Pretty much ruined everybody. There's .0498% of brackets that are still perfect. I don't know how it's even possible. Yeah. Clever, how's your first day of March Madness going? Well, let me just say it has been a slow love affair, but I think that I'm starting to fall in love with the game of basketball a little tiny bit. Uh, I've definitely been coming to be accustomed with this game. I mean, it's not been one of the sports I usually watch, but filling out this bracket, this time of season, man, it's nothing like a tournament like any other. I, I don't think I've seen a tournament this hyped, this exciting. We, we saw so many great games today, and I'm excited to get into a little bit of a history lesson on what this tournament is all about. Yeah, I mean, March Madness could really do that to you. I mean, it's just... You never know what's going to happen. As like you say on Big Brother, expect the unexpected. Any team could be any team. And then, with that being said, we're going to dive into the past of March Madness, and we're going to pick some of our favorite moments that we've been able to witness, or some just a story that just really changed the course of the game. Yeah, I'm super excited for this. I think it's going to be one of those episodes that really makes us look back into the history of sports and say, all right, what's the most definitive part? All right. So do you want to get started, Clever, with your number five? Absolutely. I'd love to get started with my number five. So my number five, March Madness moment of all time. Uh, So in 2016, uh, there was a major game in the finals of March Madness. Uh, so, in 2016, the number two-seeded Villanova defeated the number one-seeded North Carolina in a massive moment. Um, and this was a buzzer-beater moment at the very, very end of the national championship game. 77-74 was the final score of this one. And the game was close throughout, but it was Villanova that was able to pull off a massive last-minute shot thanks to Chris Jenkins. And he was able to win the national title in 2016 and the reaction when watching this video back, because I had never seen this game before, was just amazing. It, it was so unbelievable. I, I, I couldn't believe it. Yeah, I definitely agree with this pick, uh, as you'll find out later tonight. But I think the thing about this game and, and everything is that it was two back-to-back threes from each side. So you got the North Carolina point guard making the shot, and then right after, it's Chris Jenkins just coming down and hitting the buzzer beater for the win for the national championship. Okay, yeah, I agree with that. Um, That year, I had Villanova winning the whole thing, and that was a big moment because that was the first year we did a family bracket. It was 2016. I was like, okay, I had Villanova going all the way. My mom had North Carolina, 
And it came down to the national championship to determine who won the bracket. And I won on that buzzer beater. And my mom's like, well, technically we both kind of won because they were both pretty good teams. I'm like, well, who ended up winning in the end? Was it Villanova or was it North Carolina? So I got some bragging rights off of that. And that was one of my favorite moments. Is So I had to go along with that. It was a great pick you made. You can you see it everywhere now. Chris Jenkins' shot is definitely going to be one for the record books. Absolutely. I love those last-minute, uh, you know, those, those shots that are from the three with no time left in the clock. You hear the buzzer, and, and then all of a sudden the crowd comes unglued. Obviously this year because of the COVID restrictions, there's no crowd to react, but it's still such a great moment. I completely agree with that. All right, let's go over to Gage for his number five. Yeah, my number five is a little bit... But it's almost ten. It's about ten years ago now since this occurred. Now, clever. Remember earlier I told you about that how first four. I mean, one first four team that's ever made it to the final four. Yeah, you did tell me that. Yeah, that's what my number five is. Two thousand eleven was the first year that the first four ever was created. The NCAA came out with it just to have more basketball come and be played. There were some thoughts they're going to do go expand the bracket field to one hundred twenty eight teams, so to make it really? even bigger. And it was like, okay, that's a little too much basketball, but we can have a little bit, a few more games in there. So they did the first four, and VCU, Virginia Commonwealth University, decided um, was the first four team, and they made it all the way to the final four. The first year the first four was even created. So I think that's very incredible, and it's still, they're the first four team to ever make it to the final four. I think, yeah, I agree. That's so impressive. Uh, Dylan, go right ahead. I was just going to say how I love that college basketball is all these 68 teams competing against each other. And then they just say, okay, we're just going to refrain to the college football idea of just having four games. And, I mean, that's the first four. That could have been what college basketball was like, but they do such a different approach. It was so innovative. And now you see how big it's grown. Do you think football should do the same approach as college basketball? I think football should do a similar approach where um, they have automatic bids for the first for 10 conferences. And a 16-team playoff format, I think, is the way to go because there is... I did a lot of research on this in high school, so I wrote a 20-page paper on this for my senior year. And my my English teacher was like, okay, you got to shut this down because I'm getting bored of reading about football and basketball all this time. So, but long story short, I do agree. I think there should be a 16-team playoff format 10 automatic bids from each conference and six wildcard or all-around bids. I do have to agree with that because I think that out of all the sports with the NCAA uh, postseason, I think football is the most confusing. I don't really get it. And I'll, I'll be honest with you straight up. I remember last semester that me and Gage were sitting in his room and I tried to like sort of reasonably explain and sign a, go, go about looking at how people are supposed to get in with the whole bowl game system. And I just don't understand it. I can't really get it. So that could streamline it. But, you know, in terms of basketball, they definitely have an interesting format. And I think that's what makes it so appealing. I think the only negatory thing, if they did football, is that there's no real buzzer beater. Like, it, there, you could get, like, a game-winning walk-off touchdown, but... Like the Minneapolis Miracle? I mean, that's NFL, but still. Yeah, <laughs> yeah there's no sudden, like, moment that says, yeah, this is the end of the game. This is the definitive moment that people will remember and play on YouTube videos 10 years from now. It's just kind of one of those, uh, it, it's a moment where you're not going to be able to just cut it down to one bite-sized clip. That's for sure. Hey, Dylan, can you do us a favor? And I'm kind of curious to see what your number five pick is. Yeah, my number five, uh, just so everyone knows in advance, I'm only doing moments that either I remember or I actually experienced watching. So this is uh, at number five for a very particular reason, and it's the story behind it. So uh, as soon as I say this team, Gage is going to get where I'm going with this. Georgia State, Baylor's upset with R.J. Hunter hitting a deep three-pointer, and the significance about this is that his dad is, was actually the coach, and he falls off the stool as they get the win. Uh, the massive upset of that year, and it's always going to be remembered in my book. I agree. Um, I was thinking about putting that on my list, but I didn't. I, it, barely, it, was a, it was a cutoff point. That just missed my list. I, but I fully respect your decision for putting that up there because I remember this, like the whole everybody in the arena was quiet. Until the shot, until the shot was decided if it was going in or not, and then it erupted. It was like it was like the quiet before the storm. Then the storm came, and like people literally fell off the chair, out of their seats. Yeah, his dad that was, was his one dad. of them. Yeah, 
It was like that sounds like a really exciting moment. Yeah, you would like it, Clever. We got to show it to you afterwards. It was iconic. It was that pretty much set up the 2015 uh, March Madness tournament that year. And the thing about it is that like the commentators like, why isn't he driving into the paint? He's like trying to set up a three. And like the whole game was coming down to that moment, and he they just thought they were gonna drive in, get the easy basket, but instead he goes for the win, and it obviously paid off. Yeah, it was a great game, huge game because they were playing like Iowa State or Baylor or something like that. I think it was Iowa State, right? Uh, it was Baylor. Oh yeah, Baylor. And it was one of the two. Baylor and Tennessee do not have fun in March Madness. <laughs> no, we don't. We found out earlier today that Oregon State had a little bit of fun as they took down five seed Tennessee and or and Oklahoma State. This just came in sixty nine to sixty. They took down Liberty, so they're going to face Oregon State on Saturday. No, on Sunday in the round of thirty two. That's going to be a good game. Um, <laughs> that, that's that's one of those things that. I, I I think that watching all these round of sixty four matchups right now, like especially today, earlier on, because we're going to be talking about this in the second half. It's so interesting to see how game styles can evolve over time. So since we're talking about all these uh, eliminations and advancements, who do you think like which team's game is going to be one that persists above all others? I have no idea. It's going to be depending on who wants it more. It's all it comes down to. Like this late this at this point, it's like everything's on the line. One shiny moment says it perfectly with a song. It just it explains it all. Like all the work that these kids have put in. You gotta remember these kids just came just to be on the national stage to get one last shot to be well known, and then this is it. They get it, they let it all out on the court and see what happens. That's what I think is iconic and I love about this. I love about the tournament. Yeah, and then you see upsets stem from that. It's the confidence that these players have in their team, and no matter what seed they are, they always go out and do their best. Exactly. Uh, Clever, let's move along and give us your number four. Okay, awesome. So I want to reveal my number four right now because it is the biggest upset, like we were just talking about a moment ago, upset. The name of the game when it comes to March Madness. The biggest upset in March Madness history, 2018, UMBC defeats Virginia. Number one seed of Virginia is defeated by a number 16 seed for the first time ever. Uh, this was such an interesting game for me to research because I, I looked into this game and I said, all right, so the biggest upset in history, what could it possibly be? How long did it take the lowest-ranked team to beat the highest-ranked team in a game at March Madness? And they beat them thoroughly. 74-54 was the final score of this one. That is a thrashing. In, in, like, basketball terms, that that is a lot of points ahead. Uh, I mean, like, this is the first ever time uh, that, you know, UMBC made it to the second round. They only had one previous appearance in 2008, and that just the sort of story that's, like, you, you talk about Cinderella run. Even if they didn't make it that far, they made it to the second round over a number one seed. That's just unbelievable. Yeah, I'm going to kill two birds with one stone here because that was my number four pick also. <laughs> so, uh, Clever and I are the same wavelengths right now. That's awesome. Uh, yeah, no, I'm on the same page. I didn't rank any higher because it busted my bracket that year. I had Virginia winning it all, and I was crying myself to sleep that night because I was like, oh, my God. First game, first team to lose to a, U, to a, to a 16 seed, and I had to pick that team to win the whole thing. And... They got their revenge. 2019, they came back, and they had Kyle Guy back on the team, and he was on fire. And DeAndre Hunter. DeAndre Hunter also, yeah. They, and they were not going to give up, and they went all the way to Minnesota and won the whole thing. I definitely agree with this pick as well. I mean, it's not on my list necessarily because I didn't really get to watch it. I'll be quite honest. It was a really late game. So I saw the result, and I was like, wait, what the heck is happening? <laughs> But, I mean, Virginia obviously recovered the next year, but it must have been awful for them, like, on live television. They're trying to prove themselves, and then that happens. All I remember from that game... All I remember from that game was in 20, was that I was... I, I went to bed. I have a radio on my, on my bed stand, and I had the game on. So I was listening to the game. I went to sleep, and every single possession, they would shoot threes after threes after threes. And I was like, you got to be kidding me. And I cried myself to sleep that night. I was got to be kidding me. What's going on with Virginia? And that's pretty much my summary of that. So, Dylan, <laughs> what about your number four? Let's move along past my uh, childhood uh, grief. <laughs> I think this might actually be the same year. Uh, I have Loyola Chicago's Cinderella run at number four. 
And it's because they went ahead and made it to the final four as an 11 seed. That is impressive. Name some teams that are actually able to do that besides them. You're going to have trouble. VCU, George Mason. Okay. Well, Maybe LSU. not for Gage. <laughs> for, for anyone that isn't like glued to their TVs during March Madness. Anyway. Yeah, this is the sort of man that watches the tournaments before March Madness. The tournaments to decide who gets into the tournament. This is a psycho when it comes to basketball watching, man. He really is into college basketball bracketology. Yeah. Yeah, it, another big thing was the first two rounds. They made, made like, big buzzer beaters. Or, That's what I was going to try like, to get to. Yeah, iconic they, shots. They uh, went against Miami. Uh, this one hurt a lot. <laughs> <laughs> uh, deep three uh, pretty much knocked out Miami cold. Then the next game, you got Tennessee. You got Clayton Custer. Or Cluster. Grant Williams, too. Yeah. Every single game, they just had someone stepping up and hitting those shots when it counted. And it was just amazing to watch all the way through because no one heard of Loyola Chicago or the Sister Jean or anything before they made this run. Now they're back in. They won today against Georgia Tech, and everybody knows who Sister Jean is. She's still she's at the tournament somehow. They, the, the university let her go to the tournament because she's such a national icon. 101 years old and is still um, watching uh, Loyola Chicago basketball. That's some commitment right there. That is amazing. I, I'm very, very impressed that someone of that age, you know, is still so passionate about sports. I, I think that sports are for everybody. And hearing about that, that's a great story. Yeah, it definitely is. Meanwhile, Clever, let's all your, look, continue on with the great sports stories. What's your number three? My number three is from 2006, and this is my favorite commentary call in the history of March Madness. I, I think it's one of the most greatest comebacks, too. Uh, this is UCLA versus Gonzaga in the Sweet 16 round of 2006. And I know that you guys might not agree with this one, but I just want to explain. So UCLA is ranked number two, and Gonzaga is ranked number three. And Gonzaga comes in here, and they have a 17-point lead at halftime. So imagine the feeling in that locker room that UCLA's got to come back from this massive, atrocious lead that Gonzaga has this late into the game. So they come out in the half two, and they battle back. And in the final moments of the game, there was a, um, a huge moment where UCLA was finally able to take the lead, and they end up winning 73-71. And I remember the commentators. This was the thing that introduced me to college basketball back when I was watching, like, YouTube clips in the early 2010s that I didn't really know much about sports. This was that call that really got me into it. And it was, after being down by 17, heartbreak city. That was my favorite basketball call of all time. Uh, and it was also iconic because Adam Morrison, who played for Gonzaga that year, he ended up like just breaking down in the middle of the court. Like He ended up just, just being so beside himself emotionally. That it, it just shows the raw emotion of the NCAA tournament. I really like that pick, actually, with the story and everything uh, going around it. I mean, it is very uh, typical to see that type of commentary in March Madness when so much craziness is happening. And announcers always bring their A game when it comes to this. And in this case, that really uh, stuck to you. I agree. Yeah, that was, yeah, clever. That's a great pick. I mean, I never heard of this game or ever thought of this game because. 2006 was overrun by George Mason. That's I'll be honest with you, George Mason. That's when George Mason made it to the Final Four as an 11 seed, and so I didn't really hear too much about this. So I thought I I had to go with you. That was impressive that you did this much research and in depth to find something that probably Dylan and I probably don't have on the list to begin with. Yeah, I think Clever deserves a round of applause definitely for this pick. (laughs) I'm kind of blown away by. I don't know what else to say. Look, I, I wanted to make this show as good as possible. I know that you guys know a lot about college basketball and basketball in general. And this is not my primary sport, but I really wanted to give my all and just kind of come with some good picks here. So I'm glad you guys like this one. Yeah, I have a great respect that, with that pick. And as we go from there, um, I'll do my number three as well. My number three was from 1998. Oh, we're going back. We're going oh, back. That's going old school right there, over 20 years. I'm going to say one name, and I think Dylan probably knows where I'm going with this as soon as I say it. Bryce Drew. Who's Bryce Drew? I actually have not heard of this. 
How have you not ever heard of this? This is like... I was not born in 1990. <laughs> You're gonna be born in 1998 to know about this. <laughs> Alright, give me the rundown. Okay. Yeah, give us the rundown of this one. So it was the first round of the 1998 NTA tournament between Valparaiso. The Valparaiso Crusaders. You ever heard of them? No. Neither have I until I heard about this moment. <laughs> <laughs> Valparaiso against Ole Miss. Ole Miss is the fourth seed of this, of this tournament this year. And... They were in Valparaiso was down by a, by two points with like a couple seconds left on the shot clock. Second, second, two, uh, two points seconds out of the game or something like that. And they, and everybody's like, okay, this game is done. But they made take a long pass and it's a Bryce Drew who goes out behind the three point arc and drills it at the buzzer. And Valparaiso moves on and they ended up winning the second game, moving on to the Sweet 16 before they lost to, I believe it was. I gotta remember. I gotta look here. I, it was like I believe it was against Rhode Island. Yeah, it was against Rhode Island. They lost to eventually, but it's just an iconic moment. Now Bryce Drew will always be remembered for that shot that he made with like no time on the clock. It was kind of like Christian Leitner for Duke. Duke back in the back in like nineteen ninety four or something like that. Dylan, let's see what you got about this. Let me, I'm interested to see what you have to say about that moment. I mean, I haven't heard about it until right now, but it sounds very Cinderella esque. Uh, with the story that goes along with it. I mean, you always have these random schools, random players just going ahead and balling and doing something that just changes history, and it's the most incredible thing to watch. Yeah, it's sometimes the strangest moments that get you etched into sports history, and especially these smaller regional schools. It's so interesting to learn about all these new colleges and stuff, and especially for for that kind of moment, it's, uh, it's definitely interesting. Definitely. And I found out while I did the research, I didn't know what their mascot was, but you know, Clever, that I'm like a big mascot guy. Like, I quiz you all the time about this. I'm going to quiz you later uh, today. Trust me, I've definitely heard about that before. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, Valparaiso's mascot, they're the Crusaders. And I thought it was kind of interesting, kind of similar with Holy Cross. So that's my take on all that. So we'll switch sides here, Dylan. Switch sides to your end of the court and see what you get. All right, so at number three, Clubber already explained this, but this is Villanova, North Carolina, National Championship 2016. And I watched this game through and through, and it came down to the final seconds. It was 71 to 71, and you got North Carolina's page running down the court, hits the shot, and they think, wait, we're going to win this game. And all of a sudden, coming back from the other side of the court, Villanova, they go ahead and hit the buzzer beater. I mean, it. This just everything about that game was incredible. Yeah, that game was great. And then another thing, got go by Villanova's run is the regional final against Kansas. Remember seeing? I remember seeing. Remember listening and watching that game as well. That was a very close game, also, Dylan. I don't know if you remember that or not, but that game went down to the wire. Like it was like, I think Villanova won by two points in that. Yeah, I saw that. Yeah, so it was like iconic, and then they came back and have this iconic game that's going to be remembered forever in March Madness history. I think the other thing about this is that it's two basketball schools just going head-to-head, and they just brought everything in this game. And that was the first national championship in Villanova since 1985. Really? Yeah, they've won three total national championships in school history. I did not know that fact. Thank you for telling me. What, what better than two of the best that have ever done it? Like, with, with the historical factor of having, you know, the first national championship finally breaking that streak, like the H just said, uh, that's such a cool uh, moment. And I, I think that when I was watching back the video here, one thing that I did notice is that the confetti was perfectly timed. The, the pop, like the whole celebration of, like, the explosion of fireworks inside the arena or the stadium where they were located for that game was unbelievably perfectly timed. Like, he made the shot, and then two seconds later, boom, confetti. It was unbelievable. It was so close that they actually had to go to review in order to check whether his ball, like, the, the his hands had the ball released by the time that the clock still had, like, you know, the, that there was still time on the clock. So it was one of those moments that I think will go down the annals of sports history as, yes, that was a clutch moment. I definitely agree. All right, Clever, let's go to you for your number two. All right, so my number two. We're going to go super far back in time here. We're going to go to 1979. So even before, I believe, the seeding system that we currently have with the 64 teams 
that that didn't even happen yet. So 1979, and this was a precursor to one of the biggest rivalries in basketball history. Even I know about this as a non-basketball fan primarily. I know these two players, Magic and Bird. You guys know these guys? Yep. I think I've heard of them. So yeah, Magic Johnson, Larry Bird. They meet in the 1979 NCAA Finals. It was the Spartans and the Sycamores. And Indiana State Sycamores were undefeated going into this game. They won 33 straight games, I believe. And they ended up losing in the finals to the Spartans. And it was such an amazing moment that it had the highest Nielsen ratings in the history of college basketball at the time. So it was a very well-watched game, an iconic game, because it was the snapping of an undefeated you know, entity, a number one ranked team in the country at that point, I'm guessing. It must have been such a great moment, and it also led off to a big rivalry that we would see in the NBA between Magic and Bird. And we see that as the subject of the 2010 sports film A Courtship of Rivals, which I think is a sports film that you can watch on HBO Max, but this is where the movie starts. This this is the first step that is taken between the two careers. It was sort of intertwined in a way. I mean, when NBA legends in college, it is, they compete against each other. I know Ewan and Jordan did it at North Carolina and Georgetown a lot. And obviously Larry Bird and Mer- Magic Johnson also, as Clever just explained. So it is just something else to see legends competing against legends even before they were legends. And that was from Larry Legend. <laughs> Yeah, no, I agree. And you mentioned there, um, Michael Jordan and Patrick Ewing. They faced off against each other the 1982 National Championship. And that was the first time Georgetown kind of made its premise and on the basketball world and the national stage. They lost, but they felt like they won. But, yeah, going back to 1979, because we're talking about that right now. Um, yeah, no, that's a great pick right there because two iconic legends. Although Indiana State lost by 11, they were the seeded number one in the region. Michigan State seeded number two in their region. So it pretty much proves it was a close game. And it was supposed to be a close game. And there was 40 teams in the tournament at that time in 1979. And I think it's cool that we can see how much the tournament has evolved over the last 40 or so years. How much the team, uh, how, much, how many more teams participate. How much it's grown in terms of reach. Like now we see 68 teams with the first four being counted. 64 teams down the round of 64 competing for this national title, competing for that one shining moment. And you can see the evolution of the game over time, and you can see the legends that have come out of this tournament. So it's a very important uh, sports moment every single year. Biggest tournament of the year, in my opinion, next to the the playoffs of the Big Four leagues. All right, I'm going to toss it over to you, Gage, for your number two. Yeah, my number two, this is going back to 1985. Now, this year is pretty iconic in college basketball because it was the first year that a 64-team bracket was established and is still the mainly traditional format that is used today. And also, it is the lowest seed that ever won the national championship came in this year also. So it's kind of iconic year altogether. And that was the first time Villanova won a national championship over the heavy favorited Georgetown Hoyas. And it was a big game because in because uh, it was Patrick Ewing against Ed Pinckney. And make it more impressive, the final this is the only time it's ever happened in the final four. Three of the four teams are from the Big East. The yeah, only time I was about to say, how are two Big East teams <laughs> there making was th- it all the way? There was three Big East teams in it. There was a uh, in the Final Four, it was Memphis State. Uh, they were from the Southwest Conference at the time. Um, Georgetown, St. John's, and Villanova. Villanova beat Memphis State. Georgetown took care of St. John's pretty easily, and those two met in the national title game. And Villanova could not miss a single shot in the second half. It was, in, it was incredible. They played the perfect game against Georgetown. Any thoughts about that between you guys, or is that a little too far back for you? <laughs> yeah, this is going a little back for me, but, I mean, that must have been a year for college basketball from what you're telling me. It, yeah, no, it's so impressive to hear Gage's vast knowledge of the sport, especially with the NCAA tournament. He seems to know so much about sports in general, especially for this uh, specific time of year. He 
is a fast machine, man. Like, he tells me so much information, and I've learned so much in, like, the last day or so, and I really do appreciate learning about this new sport, because, honestly, it was kind of like a gatekeeping sort of thing. I never really talked to anyone about the March Madness tournament before, you know, uh, like, last week or so, before we really started getting into the whole season of it. So it's exciting. It's definitely great to have a resource like Gage around, who's been watching so much college basketball, let me tell you. <laughs> oh, you're welcome, Clever. And it's good to have Dylan who knows more about the athletes and analysis of it all, too. Like, I don't know that much about it, but I do more of the statistical work than the analysis of the players and the teams. Together, we make the March Madness uh, knowledge all flow into Clever's head. <laughs> <laughs> 43 hey, Dylan, brackets made this year. <laughs> you didn't go for 50? I couldn't make it a 50. I did not feel like printing seven more sheets of print brackets. Uh, yeah, you make a ton of brackets, man. I, I can't keep track of it all. I just kept with the one for the student media, and we'll talk about that in the second half. But uh, speaking of the number two, Dylan, do you want to share your number two pick of all time? Yes, my number two is actually like a very touching moment, and I think just from that, Gage will able to connect the dots there. And it's when Louisville beat Duke in the 2013 National Championship for no other than Kevin Ware. And if you don't know who Kevin Ware is, he suffered a horrific leg injury earlier against uh, that game against Duke, and pretty much uh, not against Duke, but later I was in the going tournament. To say. Yeah. <laughs> Uh, but he provided the inspiration and his motivation for his teammates, and they cruised all the way to the national title without one of their stars. Uh, I mean, it was something else, and there's a very heartwarming scene after the game, too, because they lower the net, and it's a tradition to cut the net after you win the national championship or a championship in general, and they did that for him, and just seeing that all come to fruition was amazing yeah no that's great um i don't mean to, i don't mean to stomp on it your dreams there dylan but wasn't that the year that they got sanctioned or the, that title was taken away from them because no it wasn't yeah it was no i don't i think it was that was a rick patino year and later they found out he did something like there was something illegal that was done that season why can't you just give Kevin Ware his opportunity? <laughs> I am giving him his opportunity. I'm not saying that there's nothing wrong against it. I love the story behind it. That was the year Syracuse made the Final Four. So By the way, it was they beat Michigan, and he got hurt against Duke. That's what I meant. Yeah, yeah. I like that story, and I think it's great that they were able to rally around an athlete, even if there is an aspect to it. I think it's amazing that they were able to get that guy the victory. They were able to get their teammate. Because it's all about, like, with sports, I think it's it's so much of a locker room feel, especially when you're in such a struggle like this of the, the NCAA tournament. It, it's all about rallying around the people that couldn't be with you on the court and doing it for them, you know, having that energy, having that drive. Yeah, no, I agree. That was that. It's all that hype and everything that really um, tells a tale for going in on what you expect and all that. So, yeah, I just I, – I, I'm not going against the pick, Dylan. I don't mean to put it that way. I respect it because of Kevin Ware, the whole situation, how the team surrounded themselves around him and won a title. I think that was a very emotional appeal. But just for fact, for those people that don't know, that that's what pretty much happened. It was a sanction. I think that they got that title vacated for something that they did. I, I see it now. Yeah. Yeah, no. Um, but was, I, was that? I still think, like, with Kevin Ware, I think that side of it is what you need to pay attention to. Don't think about the scandal. <laughs> okay, I won't think about the scandal. I, but I won't think about the scandal. Is, I'll agree with that's an emotional part. Yes. All right, Clever, do you want to go ahead and announce your number one? Guys, we we got to give a little bit more of a build up to this. I mean, this is our number one. Got to, do you want to do, do the it is time thing that I usually do? It is time <laughs> for number one for Clever Streich. Sounds good. Sounds good. Let's do it. So number one for me, my number one March Madness moment of all time is from 1983. And this is another deep cut from a while back, back in the history books. But uh, So North Carolina State defeats Houston. Uh, and this is, I think, the coolest move I've ever seen a basketball player do. So 
they shoot a three-pointer. Uh, this comes from Lorenzo Charles. He, he was able to take an air ball that was shot from the point and turn it into an alley-oop dunk. So a three-pointer into a dunk, that, that is pretty cool. For the time of basketball that it came out to, 83, were they doing stuff like that back then? That is amazing. And they were able to win the national title. And then Jimmy uh, Valina, Vo, sorry, Jimmy Valvano, uh, their, their head coach, who's running onto the course looking for a hug. So very, very wholesome and incredibly cool move. And that's why I think it's the most iconic March Madness moment, because how can you not pick a three-pointer into an alley-oop dunk? It looks so awesome. That sounds some like some play right there. Have you seen it before, Dylan? I have not. Oh my! You you are not. You don't know the history of Arch Madness, then, really, do you? I do. I just you gotta you gotta see this video. It's so cool. Yeah, I could visualize it. Yeah. How about that? Yeah. So the thing. So the thing about this, I I I respect this so much, clever, because I like this moment very very much. I forgot to put this on my top list, but I wanted to spread it out a bit. But no, this was iconic because it's like. If you're an NC State fan and you see him take the shot for the three, and you see it, and you watch the, but you watch the ball and you see it's not, it's short, it's not going to hit the rim. Even you're like, oh crap, our season's done. Wait, I actually have seen this. Yeah, then I don't know where you like see hands and like slams it in and make yeah. to win. Yeah, that's that yeah, play. Yeah, yeah. Okay, I I didn't hear the school at first. Yeah, it was NC State over Houston. Okay, and yeah. Houston was a heavy hitter. Like they were the Fab Five before the Fab Five, if you put it that way. And because the, the following year they made it to the national championship game again, but then lost to Georgetown. That's when Georgetown was on their highest point. So they had two opportunities, but they blew it. One against a team that nobody really expected to win at all, and the second one against a team that was just too dominant at the time. All right, Gage, do you want to announce your number one? Yes, I'll announce my the most superior one of them all by far. This is goes back a ways. This is almost sixty years ago. Oh, we're going. We're going way back. Yeah, this <laughs> is like before, this is nineteen sixty six. Okay. Does that you ring about any of you for March Madness at all? No. Okay. No. So this is more. This is there's some political issues involved here. So nineteen sixty six in Texas, El Paso, Texas. This school is now called UTEP. It used to be called Texas Western back then, and. Don Haskins was the head coach of this new school of, of Texas Western. And he decided to make a team that was, um, that was, he didn't see color. Like, you know how back then there was a big racist situation going on? But he did not see color back then. So he, so he, he recruited players uh, just by their talent, not by, um, but not by their, by their color or their skin. So it was very iconic. And then they, 1966, they went to the national championship game. And they played against Kentucky. Now, back then, you know how traditionally Kentucky is really more towards... They were back then, they were very racist. Mm -hmm. So he decided, we're going to make a big statement. We're going to start all five black players to start the game and make a statement. And they ended up winning that game. And it's pretty much called one of the biggest national championship upsets in NCAA tournament history. So to this day, it's just an iconic moment. And there were so many moments like that later on. Like one was up to the up to the championship game. They were playing against Kansas. It went to double overtime. They won eighty-one to eighty. Eighty-one to eighty. How close of a how much more close of a game can you get than that? And That's one it, point. Exactly. It was just very it was like they had a, they only lost one game the entire season. It's just all, it's just all together. There's a movie about their season called Glory Road. I really recommend it. Disney was a part that's of it. That's what movie you were talking about. Yeah, that's what I was referring to. It was okay. Glory Road. Yeah, I recommend it. I'd like it. to see that movie. I'd like to see that movie. Yeah, I think you would like it, Clever. It's very, very good. And honestly, that whole moment that you just described, starting all African-American players against, you know, what I'm guessing was a traditionally white school, that's amazing for 1966, did you say was the year? Yep. 1966. Wow, that is absolutely fantastic. And it's great that, you know, we were able to turn the sport into such a diverse blend of players and and everybody. You're able to see so many players succeed nowadays in basketball. And, you know, it it is such a great moment that I think that you're describing there that was turned into a movie. So it's one of those movie moments. And even though it was early on in its history, 
it probably was a pivotal turning point in how we perceive sports, especially for the March Madness tournament, and how much you know, how much pride was on the line for that that squad to be able to go out there and make that sort of statement. Because I'm a firm believer in that sport is for everybody, and that sport should you know, no matter man, woman, no matter the color of your skin, no matter what you look like or, or you know how you're oriented, you should be able to be great at sport if you have talent. Yeah, no, I agree, and. The game's on YouTube. We want to watch with me sometime, Clever. Absolutely. I'll take you up on that one, man. That that sounds like a great uh, great time to have. In addition, I love how they used the platform that they had to go ahead and build this message all the way through, all the way to the end. Yeah, it was. I thought it was incredible. And I later re- I did more research on it. And after they won the national championship, everybody was mad at them for how they're, you know, for what they did. That You know how usually they give you a ladder to cut down the net? Yeah. They weren't given a ladder. What they uh, had to literally, uh, they had someone on. They had some. They had to go on each other's shoulders to cut down the net. Wow! It was that, that is just wow. Wow! So pretty much treating your national champions like that. It's just like all together. I thought that was that, very. Interesting. That is a very good number one. That is a solid number one gauge, and much respect and kudos on that pick. Dylan, let's go to you for your number one. All right, my number one, even though it doesn't have a, uh, it's not culturally culturally significant. It is what I think defines March Madness, and we're going all the way back to 1992. Gage referred to this earlier. 103, 102, 2.1 seconds left, and a length of a court to go. You have to go ahead. And throw a Hail Mary pass. It's Grant Hill who throws it to no other than Christian Leitner for a turnaround, step back, jumper, good. They advance to the Final Four. Uh, And in addition, what I found was that this was one of the first times that Coach K actually showed emotion. (laughs) (laughs) That's pretty funny. (laughs) But yeah. And then they went on to win the national championship that year. Oh, that yeah, that was that's like you see you keep seeing clips and plays of that all the time. Yes. I mean, it's like it's like the Christian Leitner celebration. They even came out with a thirty for thirty called "I Hate Christian Leitner" because of that moment. And and I'm a Syracuse fan, so it kind of hurts me to see something like that, you know. But when I watch stuff like, but you sometimes gotta respect you, it. You gotta respect it. So yeah. Clever, have you ever seen that play? Uh, no, I have not, but I would like to see uh, a lot more of this sort of basketball stuff. Since we'll be in this tournament for another month, and we're going to kind of be living this, uh, watching basketball vibe on weekends, I'd definitely like to see that play. Just look up March Madness, the shot, and you'll see a lot of Christian Leitner. You'll see Christian wow. Leitner and Valparaiso. Yeah. Yeah. Yep. That's a good name for it. <laughs> All right, and on that note, don't go away because it's halftime on the WQ WQAQ court. We'll be right back with the second half of Project X after this quick break. You're listening to WQAQ 98.1 FM, the soundtrack of Quinnipiac. 98.1 FM, a Quinnipiac University radio station. WQAQ Hamden. We will never fully understand what we've asked of our military service members or their families, asking them to put themselves in harm's way, to endure it all. But we do understand that it's our turn, our duty, to keep them secure for the rest of their lives. Wounded Warrior Project long-term support programs help our most severely ill or injured veterans live independently, at no cost for life, so that they might stand at ease. Join us at findwwp.org. Welcome back to WQEQ's Project X on 98.1 FM. And now we're going to get to our trivia segment. And which one of you do, do you want to start with? All right, guys. I've been looking forward to this one all day. I really want to test Gage's knowledge because I know that he is a fountain of information when it comes to the NCAA tournament. So I'm going to ask a couple of questions for, for you. Uh, Actually, you know what? I'll ask Dylan. Let's let's let's, let's do this. I'll, I'll ask Dylan some questions. Gage will ask me some questions, and then Dylan, you can ask Gage. So we'll just kind of go like a merry-go-round, round-robin sort of thing. So, Sounds Dylan, good. you want some questions about uh, history of uh, the March Madness tournament? 
Sure. I mean, I've been failing with history all day so far, so why That's not? That's good to hear. <laughs> okay, here we go. Here's your first question. What school did the NBA great Larry Bird attend? Well, you I just gave me the answer. <laughs> Do you remember it, though? That's a big question. Indiana <laughs> State. Indiana State. That answer is absolutely correct. You get a prize. Yay. Another question. <laughs> All right. So the next question is, which early college team got stuck with the unfortunate nickname Tail Furs? Is it A, Louisville, B, Oregon, C, USC, or D, Michigan? Interesting. What was the Who first part the again? Nicknamed Tail Furs. Which which college team got stuck with the Tail Fur nickname? Oh, Tail. I tail thought you said Kale. Kale. Yeah, I heard Kale too. I L Tail Furs. Okay. F I. And you said Michigan, UCLA. No. Oh, sorry, Tall Furs. I I thought that was an I. Tall Furs. Tall Furs. Yeah. And can you remember the schools for him? I don't think he got. I don't think he knows what the schools which are. Which early college team got stuck with the unfortunate nickname the Tall Furs? Can you repeat the schools Louisville, for him, too? Oregon, USC, Michigan. Which one is it? Um, I'm going to go with Michigan. That's incorrect. It's Oregon. and I'll I was going to go Oregon, but I thought they would always be the Ducks because, like, that's so Because where... of the height of their team one year, Oregon was named the Tall Furs. They oh. were taller than every other team in the NCAA and were led by a 6'8 center and a 6'4 guard that's some rotation right there they won the first national championship in 1939 over o- ohio state actually just for right, to throw Dylan, I, got, I got one more question for you which of the following cities have never hosted a final four game are you ready for this one yep is it chicago denver charlotte or san diego oh which has never hosted a final four game this is a geography question you i should, should get this you should get this one we were just talking about geography the other day. You should be able to do this. You know all the state capitals. Most of the time, they stay in the same area now. That's the thing. Yeah, they used to move around a lot. Yeah, who has never hosted, though, out of those four? I know Charlotte, I'm pretty sure, has. So that's out. Chicago. Uh, and then San Diego, and what was the other one? Okay, so your four options are Chicago... Denver, Denver, Charlotte, San Diego. This is tough. You know what? I think you sort of threw in Chicago, so I'm going to say that. You are correct. It was Chicago. They have never hosted a Final Four game. I'm surprised by that. I'm surprised San Diego has hosted one, honestly. <laughs> San Diego has all those college basketball schools out there. Yeah, but they usually hosted like a big arena, though, don't they? That's why I was thinking Chicago, because they had the Bulls stadium they could have gone to. Do you guys want one more question? Dylan, do you want one more question? Uh, why not? Sure. All right. So, what is the only year that all four number one seeds made the Final Four? Was it 2018, 1999, 2008, or 2013? All four number one seeds making the Final Four. I didn't know this one. Do you, Dylan? That's a big question. Hmm. 2018, I'm pretty sure it's not that. So what were the other ones? 1999, 2008, 2013. I'm going to go 2008. All right. The answer is 2008. You are correct. All four number one seats made the final four in 2008. They were UCLA, Memphis, Kansas, North Carolina. The year where Mario Chalmers hit the shot. Yep, and Kansas won it all, their first title in 20 years. So, Dylan, you want to pose some trivia questions to Gage? Yes, I will. And my questions are going to be, which college did this NBA player go to? Oh, boy. (laughs) That sounds like a fun category. (laughs) So we're going to start off with uh, one that you should know because he's a star. What college did Steph Curry go to? Is it A, Richmond, B, Colgate, C, Davidson, or D, Butler? Uh, C, Davidson, my are, final answer. That is correct. A, ding, ding, ding. <laughs> All right. Since you got that one, let's go a little bit harder. 
What college did Kawhi Leonard go to? Oh, boy. Is it A, UCLA, B, San Diego State, C, Texas Tech, or D, Arizona? Uh, I'm going to say Arizona. That is incorrect, and this might come to surprise, but San Diego State. That was my second option. I thought it would be like some small school, but, you know, Arizona had some good years back there. I don't know if it was because of him. All right, now we're going to do another one, and this is going to be, I think, a tricky one for you unless you get what I'm talking about. What college did Lou Alcindor go to? Is it A, Georgetown, B, Villanova, C, North Carolina, or D, UCLA? Uh, Can you repeat the schools? A, Georgetown, B, Villanova, C, North Carolina, or D, UCLA? Uh, I'm going to say UCLA. You are correct. Now, do you know who it is? I really don't. (laughs) It's Kareem Abdul-Jabbar. Oh, okay. Before he turned Muslim. Yeah. Okay. That makes sense. Do you want one more? Uh, Sure. I'm two for three right now. All right. What college did Kevin Durant go to? And this is going to be tricky because I intentionally made all of the schools very close to each other. I think I know this one, honestly. Is it A, Texas A&M, B, Oklahoma, C, Texas, or D, Oklahoma State? Wasn't it Texas? Is that your final answer? Uh, Yeah. That is correct. He has gone three for four. Do you want to go for the last one because it's pretty much again me? Sure. Well, I don't even think I have to read the options because this player dominated in college and he was before he was the Zion before Zion. What college did Anthony Davis go to? Kentucky. There you go. <laughs> Four for five. Let's hear it for Gage. Hey, Gage. Nicely done. All right. So I hear that you have some sort of trivia for me planned. Is that correct? I do. So my trivia is a bit different for you. It's. The, it's mascots of of current teams that are in the tournament this this, this year. You ready to get started? Uh, uh, folks, this is where I fall off of a cliff. Uh, as you know, I've done my research for my picks, but <laughs> in terms of specific colleges, uh, yeah, this might be a little bit rough. So, Gage, let's get it started. Sounds great. Uh, we'll start with the first one. What is Abilene Christian's mascot? Sorry, can you repeat the college one more time? Abilene Christian. A-B-I-L-E-N-E. Abilene Christian? Yep. A-C-U. They're playing tomorrow night. A-C-U. Um, I have never heard of this college until you said it right now. <laughs> so I'm going to have to do a little bit of procrastinating. Uh, look, what's that over there? No, I'm, I'm not. All right. Let, let's just take a shot in the dark here. Uh, I'm sure the next one will go just fine. I'll say the Hawks. The Hawks? Yeah, sure, the Hawks. Some sort of Hawks. Yeah, no, you're incorrect. If you see the if you see the logo, you know what it is. It's the Wildcats. The Wildcats. All right. That maybe high school musical. <laughs> <laughs> All right, you ready for the next one? Sure. Give me another one. This is a new team. It's their first appearance this year. Grand Canyon University. Grand Canyon University. Um, all right. Hmm. So, so Grand Canyon University, I'm assuming, is located somewhere geographically near the Grand Canyon, correct? Yeah. Oh, boy. Uh, so that, I'm going to guess the polar opposite of what I would imagine to be at the Grand Canyon, which is rocks. I'm going to guess that they are the Grand Canyon Icicles. <laughs> you are close. No, it's what? the it's the antelopes. Oh, that is such a weird and random mascot. Why are they the antelopes? Probably because it's like there's antelopes out there. Because it's like <laughs> it's, it's in the it's there's in the antelopes west. Antelopes the Grand Canyon. How did I not know that? I don't know. I mean, there's a lot of animals down there, but you can't really go down there to see it, or else bye bye clever. Right. Oh, but oh, over oh, two. I I gotta get at least one here. Give give me another one, Gage. Let's 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 do this thing. All right, you got. It. I'll give you an easier one down here, Georgetown. I actually don't know, George. You said it earlier in the show. I said it earlier in the show, yeah. I said it early. Oh, no, I said it earlier in the show, actually. Um, Okay, so let's think about here. So, Georgetown. Where is Georgetown? Uh, Uh, Near Washington, D.C. Near Washington, D.C. 
Oh, boy. I don't actually know off the top of my head. Uh, Georgetown is like a college that sounds like I would know because it sounds more like a Clemson level, like the Clemson Tigers level of, of college. Georgetown. I got no clue. I'll, I'll say the, the, the Spartans. I know that that's Michigan I would give State, him the first letter, Gage. I'll give you the first letter. It starts with an H. It starts with an H? The Hippos. I, I have no idea. Um, it's not going to be something really niche. They're the Hoyas. The Hoyas. I think I've heard the Georgetown Hoyas before. I've probably heard of that. You also looked them up. <laughs> you probably uh, had at one point because they're in the tournament this year, obviously. I, I don't. I don't think I've seen Georgetown play yet, so I'm not actively like. I don't, I don't really know much about Georgetown players, like the that that team. So, get give me one more. Let's see if I can get one before we we end this segment. Okay, the last one. All right, ready for this one? They're playing today at nine forward against Syracuse, San Diego State. San Diego State. Boy, you have given me hard ones all night long. Why couldn't you give me something like the Florida State Seminoles? This is the best like, one. This is the easiest one of the five the I have. Florida Gators or something. San Diego State, you're giving me like these niche, low-seeded low, uh, ones. What, which, what number is San Diego State this year? They're six. a six-seed. They're the six-seed. Okay. Um, huh, the San Diego... Um, I'll give you a hint on this one. It's a Native American warrior. Honestly, I don't know. Uh, so many of these college teams just have like such bizarre, like the, the the Virginia Tech Hokies or like the Tennessee Volunteers. Like these sound like minor league. He's naming players. all of them gonna, that you haven't asked. <laughs> I'm impressed I'm by you. Remember the Hokies at least. Let me impressed by that. Wait, I have one for him too, and this is going to segue into our last segment. What is the mascot of Oral Roberts? Golden uh... Eagles. You remember that though? Okay. I'll tell you about the Aztecs. They're the Aztecs, the San Diego State Aztecs. The San Diego State Aztecs. Now that you say that, that does ring a bell. Yeah, if you look at their logo, it makes sense. It's like an S and a D. It's like a shield, like an or like a bow and arrow. Yeah, I knew it was a shield or sort of like some sort of like square plate, sort of almost like the Padres logo at one point in time, like in terms of like the you know the shape, but uh, maybe not. <laughs> not um, really. I would say it's more like a bow and arrow, like stretched out to be like a shape, like a D. Anyways, or Roberts. And OSU, what, what do you think about that, Gage? Uh, I didn't ask Dylan this, actually, because he has them in the national championship game. I had them in the Final Four, so I am not, I'm for the most part safe. I only lost one Final Four today, one Final Four team. I mean, it hurt. Uh, I'm not going to lie. <laughs> As you could see from lots of reactions on Twitter and Instagram, it was a shocker. And I'm not talking about Wichita State. If you see what I did there. Uh, they got shocked last night. <laughs> but yeah, I mean, Oral Roberts just came to play today. They dominated with their two stars, and Ohio State had no answers, really. They just tried to keep grinding into the paint, and it was not working. And as a result, they, yeah, and as a result, they lost. That's why they go to the school. Of, that's why they go to the Ohio State University, because they don't know how to play under crunch time. <laughs> There's some history about Ohio State in the tournament. Like they are either known for buzzer beaters or they're known for being upset. They're starting to turn to Duke. Yeah. And then it irritates me because it's the second time I had like a big team like that go into the final four and they find a way to screw it up. In the first round or the second round for me. So So who are your other three teams then for the final four? My other three teams for I'm gonna do the out of the forty three brackets, all of them? No, I'm gonna do I'm gonna do the I'm why, gonna do this. Why don't we talk specifically about the bracket that we're currently in? That's our money bracket. So right now at Quinnipiac, we have a whole student media bracket with a bunch of people from WQAQ. We have people from Q thirty, QBSN, uh, I think a couple of members of the Chronicle. We even have Dean Roush in there, the Dean of School of Communication. And we're all competing for like I think a good a good chunk of change, two hundred bucks or something like that, because it was a buy-in. So uh, why don't we talk about our finals, uh, our finals predictions from that uh, specific bracket? Yeah, it sounds great. Um, so my predictions are: I have Texas in the final four, losing to Gonzaga in the final four. I, I didn't see I didn't see much in Gonzaga's region to really pull off an upset. But yet again, you never know. I mean, I had you, I had Ohio facing Gonzaga in the Sweet 16, um, beating UCSB, the Gauchos. 
and in the round of 32. And I had Gonzaga losing to Illinois for the national championship and Illinois beating Ohio State in the semifinals. So those are my final four. Ohio State, Illinois, Gonzaga, and Texas. You know what I How just... How about you, Dylan? Or yeah, Dylan, go right ahead. I was just going to say, I know what I just saw. Uh, North Texas is winning right now in overtime. I saw that too. I'm like, now Purdue is starting to scare me because I'm in the Elite Eight probably. So there's another bracket buster about to happen, so... Let's just see. Let's hope Winthrop pulls through for me. Let's go Eagles. <laughs> <laughs> but for my final four, obviously, uh, Ohio State is obviously no longer there. Uh, I had them against Illinois, and I had them beating Illinois because... Why? Uh, I just <laughs> thought that they, they would understand them better. Uh, they just played in the championship uh, in their conference, and obviously Illinois won. And they got a way easier matchup, apparently. <laughs> but it'll work out for them in the end. <laughs> like, who knew that that was such, like, a big game that would decide the tournament? And then on the other side, I have Gonzaga and Texas. Because I think be... Texas has potential to go pretty far. But I'll remember who their head coach is? Shaka Smart. And he's well, and he was a part of the VCU run in 2011. Mm-hmm. I'll be honest with you guys, just to switch gears here for a second. Who's excited for Iona versus Alabama tomorrow? Mac winners. I'll watch it for that reason. I mean, they actually beat Alabama too. I heard that they're probably an They beat Alabama. They beat Alabama. That actually would help me. I'm looking at it right now because Sweet 16 is where I have them. Here's the thing about that game Iona beats Alabama. Quinnipiac will have lost to the team that Alabama lost to. So that's a feather in our cap. <laughs> but they if also lost to Drexel and but clever. They also lost to Drexel and Drexel lost to Illinois pretty badly. So what does that prove to you? Well, best of luck, Iona, tomorrow. We'll I guess we'll see how <laughs> that goes. Um, I'll reveal my I don't specifically remember my final four because I don't have my bracket memorized on top of my head, but I do remember my final two, so I'll reveal that instead. My final two, I got Baylor defeating Gonzaga. And I think that Gonzaga makes it all the way to the finals. And then they're going to end up basically doing an Indiana State Sycamores where uh, I, I even wrote in my notes 33-0, and 0, but lost in finals. And then I drew an arrow and then I wrote Gonzaga question mark? So hopefully uh, Baylor ends up defeating Gonzaga in the finals. And I think I'm one of only two people in the student media bracket that actually have Baylor winning the whole thing. The reason I chose Baylor is because my one of my favorite wrestlers is named Finn Balor, so it sounded like Baylor. It was just one letter off. So, so you're yeah, one of those bracket cool. pickers, I see. Yeah, I'm one of those bracket pickers. Uh, definitely one of those guys that don't go based upon. Because remember, I made my bracket a couple of days ago before I started researching, so I didn't really have much uh, much to go off of per se. Um, but I, I personally think that you know. Me and I think Tom Krasnowski might have chosen Baylor. Uh, one, me and one other person, we chose Baylor. So, fingers crossed we make it to the end here. Baylor's already into the second round, so big Ws. Let's let's do this thing. They yeah. also went against a 16 seed. Yeah, I know. Against <laughs> Hartford. <laughs> they, they played Hartford, I know. It, it was not really a close game, but, you know, we'll, we'll have to see if Baylor can pull it out. They're... I know that I've heard some chatter from you guys that they've been inconsistent and stuff, but hopefully, fingers crossed, they they give me the big bracket W in that 600 points. And the money with it. That's what's more yeah, important. No, we'll have to see how that goes, because right now it's anybody's game still. We're in the round of 64. This tournament is brand new. Anything can happen. As we just saw when the Ohio State University lost to Oral Robertson. Yeah, I like to point this out about that game. I am a Penn State football fan, so I deeply, I mean deeply, hate Ohio State. The one time I actually decided to root for them, and guess what happens? They lose to Oral Roberts, a team I've never, a team I actually kind of heard about, but from the Summit League. The Summit League. Well, who do they have? North Dakota State, South Dakota State, South Dakota, North Dakota, and I believe Purdue, Fort Wayne. You guys ever heard of Purdue, Fort Wayne before? No. Exactly. <laughs> That's a lot of North Dakotas and South Dakotas. I thought there was only two Dakotas. So apparently there's four. There's North Dakota State, South Dakota State, North Dakota, South Dakota, 
South Dakota, Core Dakota, uh, Cornucopia, uh, Dakota hey, South. Dakota, don't forget North, Purdue Fort Wayne in there, buddy. Don't forget Purdue Fort Wayne. <laughs> I heard that Tulane is actually transferring over to there. I'm kidding, but uh, uh, if they do, yeah. they dominate that conference. Hands down, from an Amer- from the American over to the Summit League. That's like the biggest drop I think I ever hear in, in college league. basketball. <laughs> You're just like Oral Robertson, man. Uh, that they're Oral Roberts. They're going to be the biggest meme of like this this tournament. The two lo- losing to the fifteen. Uh, definitely. Yeah, that just yeah. Uh, but there's no other words to put it for describe it for me. <laughs> um, yeah, that's the bottom line. I, we, didn't, you, we didn't know where Oral Roberts was, where it was located until. Like, we did some research, like, oh, it's in Oklahoma. It's like, oh, it's a school of 4,000 people in a pretty big Christian school. And there were a lot of jo- and my friend told me a bunch of jokes about, like, they were making during their drama during their drama show or drama practice before their play was going to be coming up for Les Mis. Check that out, by the way. I don't mean to be shouting out, but New Hartford is doing Les Mis. Oh, Les Mis, now you're speaking my language. <laughs> I never saw the play before, so... I have no idea. I have no recollection. I, all right. How about this? We'll make a trade. I'll show you Les Mis, and you'll show me some March Madness. Movies. How about that? I'm okay with that, actually. I'm okay with that. That sounds like a deal. All right. So on that note, we're going to... It's almost time to sign off. But before we do that, we're going to do our signature list off. So when you guys are ready, I am ready. I'm ready. You guys ready? I am ready to get going. Ready? Three, two, one, go. 2011 BCU, 2018 first round, 1998 first round, 1995 national championship, and 1966 Spotify, Google Podcasts, and Anchor FM. Be sure to follow Project X on Instagram at Project X underscore WQAQ. That's at Project X underscore WQAQ. For Clever Strikes and Gage Kilborn, I'm Dylan Summer. Thank you for listening.